Well, good morning and welcome to the Church Office Podcast. My name's Gavin and it's a joy today to welcome Julie Amanda from Riverside Church. You've been the operations director there and you've now moved into a role with Money Advice um, Service. You've been involved in UCAN, so I'll pass across lots. And um, it's a thrill to have someone on the podcast who is passionate about what they do. And, and you're going to pick this up, listeners, you're going to pick this up today from Julian. His heart for people, his passion in this area. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this time together, my friends. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. It's fantastic. And uh, we were just chatting earlier just about uh, the need, this whole topic today, talking about death and how the church can get behind people to serve people in the community. Um, we were just chatting about... Um, this drive over Christmas now. We haven't had Christmas for two years and people feeling this pressure to make it something special, to spend extra, to go the extra mile. And uh, people like you, Julian, in the Money Advice Service, uh, hands in their head thinking, oh no, what are we going to walk into in January because this is going to be tough. Um, Mate, give us a picture of what you're seeing, um, you know, debt-wise for people because we've had COVID, the effects of that as well. Give us, fill us in on what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think you you would think that because Christmas comes around every year, um, everybody would know it's coming and plan for it. But the reality is people don't plan. And Christmas is always an opportunity to, in the name of Christmas, or at least the commercial Christmas that our culture Mm. celebrates, um, of just ignoring anything in January or any consequences and just spending even money that you don't have. And I think I see, certainly in those who we help, the, the there's a lack of connection between the sort of uh, a desire to uh, go overboard or treat yourself or look after mm-hmm. the kids or spend money or drink yourself to oblivion and and just totally think of the next year as being oh I'll just deal with that when it arrives and normally around the second or third of January when the hangovers are finished uh, when the bills all start arriving end of January. Uh, we know we always have a peak in January and it's always the same. And every people who've had credit cards use them. And often it's a, it's an industry stat that it takes the entire year to pay back off the debt from the Christmas that you've just spent. And now we're seeing it's more than that Christmas, Christmas is arriving and families or people are still paying the debts off from the previous Christmas when they're doing it all over again. Yeah, oh, um, man. But, but actually, even, even when we talk about credit cards, for many of the people that we help at our money advice centre here in Birmingham, a credit card is a luxury. Many don't. Um, so we've become aware of very different demographics and some people who face a really bleak Christmas. Um, the, the pandemic has, has really split populations in countries um, in two. There are those who have saved money because they've been spending much less and therefore they look at this Christmas and say, oh, right, well, you know, it's Christmas, we'll have a... Let's go for it. Actually, there are just the same number of people who have been decimated, who've lost their savings, who've lost jobs, um, who've just had £20 a week taken off their their benefits through universal credit. Um, And although that doesn't sound very much... For some people that we're now seeing, it makes the difference between just managing and starting to spiral backwards down into debt. That we saw one client the other week who um, is on universal credit, um, but is in rental accommodation 
that is not covered by the housing allowance here in Birmingham. So she has to use some of her universal credit um, to also top okay. that up. And she's never known a time when uh, uh, the £20 a week was added to universal credit. She arrived in universal credit when that was a thing, has just had that taken off. And yeah. the reality for her budget, when we sat down with her and looked at her very meagre outgoings, was in, in a month, the only amount that we can budget with her for groceries or food is £19 a wow. month. A so month. she has to a month. So she's she's living wow. on less than five pounds a week for her food. Yeah. That is impossible. No, um, you can't do and, it. and that's not an unusual story. So there, yeah. there is a huge inequality. And as much as we can start putting food bank support in, when we've looked at um, other things you might be entitled to, there's nothing. So her reality is that until she gets well enough to be able to get back into work or the health challenges that she's got worsen to tip her mm -hmm. into further support. She's stuck um, in this mm -hmm. very meagre time. And therefore Christmas is not a time for joy other than inviting her to the free Christmas lunch here and coming and then yeah, doing church good. and then having you know a warm roof over her head and other people who, yes, actually will, will welcome her in and uh, yeah. look after her. Um, so I think it's, it's really opened my eyes since I got involved with money advice as to the reality for how people live. And actually in our churches, we can be quite insulated and, and yes, have a culture where everybody turns up to a church service and, oh, it's always lovely and wonderful and the singing's great and, and you know, the, the coffee's wonderful, but actually it's not real life. Um, and that's one of the privileges of getting involved in something like money advice because you meet real people um, and every story is different, even if the the scenarios around it change all the time. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And 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 I may I, I love hearing about it and giving us a bit of bit of picture and a bit of context because you're right. In churches, we can kind of just be blinded by this. We, we're not necessarily aware of what what is happening out there to to some extent. And what I love is that there are churches that are taking initiative in this whole area. So we've seen food banks and, and, and churches get involved in, hugely involved in that. And really the last few years, people have been getting involved in CAP or Money Advice Service uh, to make a difference in their communities, to serve these who are you know, most vulnerable at this time. Mm. So mate, tell us a bit about Money Advice Service. You know, our listeners haven't heard anything about it before. Uh, okay. I'd love to do that. Okay, well, everybody's heard of CAP uh, because they, you know, they, they constantly yeah. top the Times 100 companies uh, to go and work for. Um, and when we started our journey towards providing a money advice service back in 2012, um, it was because one of our pastors um, kept um, kept trying to help someone who uh, kept coming for prayer. Um, he, he was all over the place, and no matter what, no matter what they prayed, it there was obviously something a bit more rooted that wasn't getting sorted out. And, yeah. and eventually um, the, the, the pastor from our church said, look, would, would you go and do a home visit? You know, we'll, put, we'll provide the babysitter for your kids. We, we just know we can't deal with whatever it is that's the sorting out. So, um, yeah. so my wife and I, we went around to go and, and visit this gentleman north, north of Birmingham. Um, he had no toilet paper, no food in any cupboards. There was no sheets on the bed. He was anxious. He was distracted. He was clearly in poor health. Uh, he was working as a DJ, but he was putting in two pounds of fuel at the fuel station 
just to get him to the gig and was getting constant um, texts and emails from creditors who were chasing him for money. When I say constant, just imagine, you know, four or five times an hour getting a text from a debt company trying to collect debts. And so he was not living. He was he was a total prisoner and unable to do anything. And he wasn't eating well. Uh, And I came away from that first home visit and I think it was the first time when I got back into the car and sat down slightly shell-shocked at coming face-to-face with poverty in a, mm-hmm. in, in a way that, that wasn't like, um, you know, you, you see headlines and news of, of other countries and, you know, where, where aid is being mobilised, whatever. This was here in our city in, in a well-to-do neighbourhood of someone who was just being trampled on by life. Yeah. Um, so we had a look at CAP, um, who do absolutely brilliant work, but we felt there was a church because it was a, the whole church sort of takes on set, setting the CAP centre. Yeah. For us, it was too big. The, the initial step up was was too large. And we looked around yeah. and discovered community money advice. If you like, it's the sister network of uh, of CAP. Uh, community yeah. money advice, rather than follow the CAP model where everything is all done in the Bradford Processing Centre and a local church can set up a CAP yeah. centre, they can, they do all the pastoral stuff and the welcoming, uh, working with a client, passing it all to the central team. And then once the money situation is sorted out, it's released back to the client bit by bit by bit. Community Money Advice works completely the opposite way around. Um, they enable local churches to learn how to do money advice um, so yeah. that um, in your local church, lay people in your congregation learn how to do debt advice and you can go from uh zero to knowing what to do in just two days um, and all the training moved on online last year Um, but then after you've done two days um, you start to realize when you meet your first clients how much you don't know (laughs) because there is an awful lot in money advice and you realize oh there's rent arrears and there's mortgages and there's utilities and there's bailiffs um, and there's council tax and there's we have a huge menu uh, on one of our training systems with a system called wise advisor uh, that's available for free nationally and each of our advisors when they start to sit in with clients and start to hear some of the stories soon realize and discover things that they don't know and I always reassure them, said, it doesn't matter as long as you're one page ahead of the person who's coming in. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Right? Absolutely fine. Yeah, good Here's the page that you need to go and look at. Here's the module I want you to go and do. Um, and we we changed our the shape of our service delivery last year so that all the way through the pandemic, we have stayed open, providing face-to-face advice. Um, and yeah. we know that over-the-phone debt advice doesn't work for most people. You can't read body language. You can't get to the bottom of what's actually happening. Um, You need to see a piece of paper. You need to be able to have the opportunity to reassure them, put the kettle on, offer a tissue. And actually, you can't get to the truth or reality of what's going on unless you actually meet somebody. Um, So we, we, because uh, the hall became available in the building that we we use as a church, uh, rather than just one meeting room, like this one I'm sat in today, uh, we took over the hall and reshaped it. So now we're offering five appointments in parallel all at the same time. And there's a cafe running uh, as well that's free for people to come in to drop in before or after an appointment or just to come in and have some free home baking and fresh tea and coffee and chat or okay. in a letter or something that they uh, are concerned for. But for us, the journey from that first person who 
just opened our eyes to what was real yeah. for someone through yeah. to uh, you know nine years later where we have uh, a team of uh, 17 individuals in all sorts of different roles. Um, our turnover is £35,000. It's all funded through donations. And to give you an idea of what's happening in, in the UK, the uh, last year I ran a stat uh, just at Christmas that, you know, how many cases have we actually got open at the moment? And it was 75 and there were about £890,000 worth of debt connected to those clients. Yeah excluding yeah. mortgages. I ran the stats again yesterday and found that our caseload is the same, about 75 cases. We've started mm-hmm. another 25 in the, in the last year, uh, but the debt level has risen to 1.2 million pounds um, wow. is now on our books that we are seeing and helping people through. And that's not wow. including mortgages. Only 5% of the um, demographic of our clients even have a mortgage or a dream of it. So that tells you the amount of debt that some people are carrying around. But we can do all sorts of things. Um, and it's what spurs us on is, is seeing the sort of the real life change that debt advice can bring for people. It's a really effective tool for any church to engage with a point of need in their community, yeah. make a very practical, tangible difference into someone's life, and sharing the gospel in the middle of that is so easy. We we yeah. pray for every single one of our clients at every single appointment, no matter yeah. what the faith background is of the person who's come for help. And living in Birmingham, we are highly blessed. We have every single language and culture and background. Yeah. Um, and, and I think churches can sometimes get a bit hung up about, oh, well, you know, I won't be able to pray for someone if they're not a Christian rubbish um some of our best prayers are muslims um or sikh or hindu um and their their cultural background and grounding is one of praying all the time um so we've really not found it difficult at all and we've been we always have a smile on our face we had a uh, a lovely couple who visited us recently Uh, they're farsi speakers um and uh, this uh, couple have uh, come from Afghanistan, and when we dis- when we were talking about their story, uh, they had you know they'd run businesses um, and employed you know lots of different people through their company. They've lost everything uh, because of war and persecution. Uh, but this this woman who has seen some horrific things, just as she was leaving, she she turned to one of the advisors and she said. Now, there's something about this place. It's so peaceful. I always feel completely calm and welcomed and at peace yeah. when I come here. And, it, and I think it's that vo- someone vocalising a tangible presence of God in a building. Um, mm-hmm. Just, it's just, yeah, gives you a bit of a spring in this in your step for the next yeah. person then comes in. Um, so that's what spurs us on. I love that. I love that. So, so this first client is really the thing that's inspired the church to get involved in it. And have you found that the leadership have been fully behind? I mean, you're saying you've got 17 volunteers involved, 75 clients. I mean, you have to have the church on board, I guess, to to do something like this. 
Yes, I think we, we are starting something up is, is always, always hard because mm. it comes loaded with people's expectation, with inconvenience because something's got to change. Uh, one of the things that we did as a church a few years ago was um, we, we'd had a few conversations with different people who, who sometimes came up to us and said, look, I really think the church should do dot, dot, dot. And there was a there's an expectation that you as the administrator or as church leadership should therefore do something about it. I mean, let's face it, there is there is no church anywhere in this country that is not geographically in a place surrounded by people who have needs. Um, yeah. Sometimes we find it convenient to ignore those needs, um, just like the person who's homeless um, asking people for change when you go to the shop. Um, but that's just yeah. a very tangible physical thing that's very obvious there's lots of things behind closed doors that when you actually get to meet people uh people are suffering and in all sorts of need um mm. so we we realized that because our church was was quite large and we had sort of 500 adults and 250 children it, it was quite usual that at least three or four times a year people say oh well why isn't the church doing something about x you know really ought to and we sat <laughs> yeah. as a leadership team and we said okay right this, we know this is a thing we know that there are people in the church who are passionate about wanting to do things, but it's a full-time job, <laughs> even keeping yeah. the church together, yeah. let alone feeling any obligation to do something that someone wants to do something about. So we, we sat as a team saying, right, what, what do we need to do that puts a framework in place that would match someone with a passion with the ability to then see it start? Um, yeah. So we worked yeah. out... Um, yeah. a sort of, a, just a template um, that asks a set of questions like, well, what is it that you want to do? Why do you want to do it? How do you think you'd go about doing it? Um, what do, what would success look like? Um, how long do you think you'd need to do this initially to work out whether it worked or not? Um, and what do you need from us? Is it money? Is it uh, a physical location to me? Is it resources? Is it people? Whatever it is. So we, we built a sort of system that enabled us to uh, and when people came to us with an idea, either they could take this document or someone would sit with them to help them, them work it work it through. And then we could review it as a team and sort of give it a traffic light, you know, red, mm, no, not in a million years, and here's why. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amber, yes, we like this. Here are some things we've thought about or that you need to go and process. Or green light, oh, this is fantastic. Right, let's put these things in place and do it. Mm. And actually, that was a really helpful framework because it enabled a whole lot of things to, to um, give a, a permission to different people in the church. One person wanted to set up a stay and play. Someone else wanted to set up a football team. Um, I wanted to do money advice. Um, and it, it therefore provided a framework, and a bit like putting a trellis in, in, on a garden wall or a fence to enable a plant to get up. It, it puts that trellis in place and enable something to start growing up. Yeah. And, and I think when we see the fruit of that, uh, I was I was looking out my window the other day and our, our team of volunteer gardeners were, were out on a Thursday morning and um, I, I'd just taken a phone call and I just happened to, to look outside. And one of our recent Money Advice clients who had become debt-free um, through the work that we had done was, was lying down on the lawn um, with a trowel in her hand and asking one of the other members of the team to film her. And okay. while I was taking this, while I was on the phone call, I was, I was watching what was going on. I was going, That's happening. What on earth is going on? Um, so, <laughs> when I, so a bit later on, I caught up with the, with the guy who runs the gardening team. And I, I asked him, you know, what was all that going about? I said, well, 
this person was so overjoyed at being in a place where she could learn to garden. Uh, she's stuck in a hostel, uh, which was her story before uh, she became debt-free and we managed to help her move, uh, move home. Um, she was so overjoyed that she wanted someone else on the team to video her so she could WhatsApp it back to her family in uh, Jamaica to show them what she was doing. Um, but then what, yeah. what happened just after that was that they were they were cutting back sweet peas. They're you know, very ar- aromatic. Yeah. They are nice to look to. And the, um, the guy who was leading the, the gardening team cut a bouquet of sweet peas and handed it to her. She yeah. burst into tears and then started asking questions like, well, what, well, what do I do with them? Do, do, I, do I plant them? Do I, do, I, do I water them? No one had ever, ever given her a bunch of flowers before and we've just interviewed this client and realized that um, she was brought up uh, by her grandma um, in uh, in a conditions where her grandma didn't believe in sending girls to school um, so she was stuck at home as the sort of house slave um, and then some relatives from the UK um, got to learn of her situation and trafficked her into the UK and she then served for a number of years as a slave with no pay, uh, basically had just gone from one situation of abuse to another. Um, right. But roll forward a number of years, um, we she comes to help, uh, she comes to ask for help uh, from Riverside Money Advice. She's signposted to us uh, by a local housing agency, and she can't. Uh, she had she had she had got married. Um, she'd lost her husband. Um, the whole house had gone. She's stuck in a hostel. There were some rent arrears. And Birmingham City Council policy is that if you have arrears with rent, you will not be housed until the arrears are clear. Quite how you're supposed to clear rent arrears when you're on universal credit and struggling to have enough to eat per week, you've no idea. So uh, the work that we did, uh, we used something, one of the wonderful tools in our toolkit is something called a debt relief order. If you have no assets and you have under £30,000 worth of debt, um, and we can work with you to get a budget that has no wriggle room more than about £50 a month between income and expenditure. We can take up to £30,000 of debts from however many credits it is, roll them all together and stick them in this debt relief order. And they sit there for 12 months. Um, and during that time, no creditor can chase you for them. There's no interest. It's just wrapped up. And at the end of 12 right. months, the whole lot goes it's wiped out it's zero and it's a brilliant illustration of the gospel in practice yeah it is something that you do not deserve some someone something an agency like to come along and demonstrate complete grace if you're willing to to do the transaction we will take all of that debt wrap it up and wipe it out so because we wiped out her rent arrears she was then eligible for housing she moved um, to a, a new property and one of our team had the lovely job of spending an evening uh, she cooked um, curried goat uh, for her um, and they had a Amazing. wonderful social evening um, and yeah. uh, just told her story about how yeah. she had what you know all the, the journey that she brought her to England then to this bit of Birmingham. And, you know, she's part of our team here. She comes gardening. Um, she's loving the cafe that we've got running. Uh, and you think, here is someone who has learning difficulties, um, has never been to school. Um, and so 
the reason why she's in difficulty, what do you do with a bill? What do you do with mm. a council tax bill or a letter from the government if you can't read it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. just injustice. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and yet yeah. God is able to pick up someone like this, rescue them, and her faith and her joy is just infectious. And everybody, yeah. no one would know because um, yeah. she's just such a joyous person. She's coming to church regularly. And then you think as an administrator, Oh, so the words we put up on screen to help people sing along are, oh, but if you can't read or you can't sign up to a service yeah. digitally or online because you don't, you can't yeah, use right. a phone, yeah. you can't use a computer, it suddenly makes you aware of how culturally insensitive or inaccessible inaccessible you might have made your church. I mean, yeah. okay, I need to think a bit harder how we how we do that. Um, so, yeah. and that's just that's just one story of God actually equipping the church in a way to bring freedom to someone, um, yes. and and actually the role of administrators to help help find to help put the right structure in place to enable a ministry or an idea that someone just is starting to think about or tease on um, that God might just be sowing in them to actually help it become become a thing uh, and yes. then see what God does with. Yeah, absolutely right. No, I, I, I love it, mate. I, I think it's wonderful, isn't it? And I think we, we've run Food Bank for a number of years, but you don't always get to the heart of some of the issues that are going on. And um, what you're communicating here is, you know, A, you, you're loving people and caring for people, um, but you are changing people's lives, aren't you, by this ministry. This, you know, this affects, you know, people are going to have less stress, less anxiety, um, I mean, just being chased by death is when you were talking about that DJ, just being, you know, what, you know, constantly living like that um, is so, so difficult. And it's, it's just wonderful. mate. I'm, you've got hundreds of stories and um, <laughs> I've got at least two I, of I, them. I just love it. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Um, now, but I think if you're a church leader listening to this, Julian, yeah. you know, you've got somebody who's got a passion. You, you, you need that, don't you? You need someone who's got a willingness to want to drive this forward, willingness to give up time and, and, and energy to do something like this. How do people sign up for many advice? You know, what does a church leader do with this? They've got a person, they've got a desire, they, they know there's a need out there for a service like this. Mm. Where do you start? Is it just picking up a telephone and, and speaking to many advice or? It is, um, y- yes. Yeah, so calling community money advice um, in uh, Shrewsbury or uh Christians Against Poverty in Bradford, or actually going and visiting a couple of other existing projects that might be running in other churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, You actually just need to see it. And one of the things that I do when someone calls me and says, I'm I'm thinking about volunteering, but I I really don't know what it might look like. I said, well, look, just come in, come and and sit in on an appointment. And one of the things that we found that during, during the year is that we used to you know, we used to meet, you know, one-to-one or two-to-one in an office like this. It's tucked away in the building. It's all confidential. But during the pandemic, when we remodeled it and made it, because we needed space and ventilation and social mm-hmm. distancing, when we used our hall and ladies out differently, it completely changed the dynamic because suddenly all you had clients and advisors and the centre manager and someone running the kitchen and someone uh, welcoming everybody, we were all in the same room. And there's yeah. lots of conversations going on. And actually, uh, an advisor, if they got stuck, could just sort of lean to one side and say, oh, mate, how? what would I do here? And so it's very, yeah. very collaborative. So actually seeing it in practice is a really good first step. And if God's in it, um, it's, uh, it's probably the, the biggest and hardest thing 
is probably the politics that gets in the way. And okay. no, there shouldn't be politics in church, but there is. Um, and it's because there's people and people have different thoughts and ideas and different baggage that they carry. So the thing that you do as a church administrator and a church leader is be prepared for some of the complications um, and difficulties, but um, tell the stories and share the, the, diff- the change that it brings into different people. And um, yes. for you, you can start small. For us, we, we were just sort of trying to get our heads around what it might look like. And we weren't sure, you know, which model we were going to go and how we did it. And then I remember one day someone walked up to me in the, in the canteen after church. We were sitting having, a, you know, having a drink after the service. And he said to me, um, I know you're really passionate about helping people with money. If I give you £12,500, would you set something up? And I went, oh, uh, okay, uh, I'll go and think about it a bit more seriously. <laughs> that, that was the sort of kick that we needed. And, and I think for us, it was, for, as a church, it was the kick of meeting that DJ who had nothing. And, you know, I still know him as a personal friend. And, and he always, he's, he's very happy and proud that actually for the difficulty that he went through, he knows that because of that journey, the yeah. rest of the journey, you know, we, we're now... Yeah. 450 households through our service um you know we we always have a waiting list we've never advertised um because we we've got our flyers and information into gp surgeries and job centers um and other home support networks um and and other key points to see those those agencies and bodies are sending people to us um, and word of mouth is doing a great job um so i think when you whether it's money advice or something else, when you start to try and work out, well, how do we do this? I know it's always going to come up against the opportunity cost of, well, if we do this, then there are other things that you can't do. And there may be other things that you're already doing as a church that actually until they come to an end, you, you can't start something else. But but putting that sort of framework together says, you know, what, what do we want to do? Why? What do we need to get it up and running and how will we know whether it's successful or not and and give us a fixed time scale um, mm-hmm. that enables you to intentionally head to a review and say okay we could now just stop this or gosh this is fantastic Let, let's do more and mm-hmm. and and see what happens and one of the things that we discovered as a as a church um which is not to our credit at all we thought that you could just set these things up and then we, we sort of lost track of the fact that, okay, if you've said you're going to do something for a year, you then do need to hold to that and sit down and do a review. And we didn't, we weren't very good at that. Um, and we had a number of teams that all started and it all just became, we were just so busy running church that we missed the fact that the time it takes to support ministries needs time, it needs yeah. money, and you've got to suddenly learn, if you don't already have the experience or the skills, what it means to project manage a number of different things that start to compete for space um, and that you know, take up space and resources. Um, and you need to embed them right in the heart of, of your church. It is absolutely no good setting up a ministry or something that meets a need in the community if no one in your church ever hears about what you actually do and one of the things that we really struggled with was the was we discovered that those who work in any particular ministry area um always 
see God do do things that you know, turn people's lives around. But you've got to connect those stories with the the faith encouragement to the body of the church to hear the story and to go, oh yeah. wow, that that's happening. And one of the things that we discovered in Money Advice, we started putting together um, sort of regular newsletters, um, which we then distributed out to the whole church and to every single client that we had helped and that are helping and who are on the waiting list, waiting for an appointment. And we started um, at the end of a successful journey, we'd get one of our team to sit down with them and interview them. And the stories that came out were, were just but were just incredible. Um, one of the journeys that, um, one of the cases that I was in, um, we were faced with a solicitor, um, very highly paid, very successful, but was being chased by HMRC for debts totaling £130,000. Wow. This husband and father um, and well-respected professional had not told anybody he didn't know what to do about it. He was he was becoming completely dysfunctional. And in his head, he'd sort of partitioned off the side of him which was doing his job from the side of him that was not coping. Yeah. And it was only a last desperate conversation with a work colleague that got that work colleague to phone us. We then got ourselves on the other end of the phone while he was welcomed into an office so that he could have a conversation with us. We met him and... Although everybody, debt is no respect for persons. It doesn't matter what your income is or what your starting point is. Yeah, debt yeah. can arise for all sorts of reasons. Some self-created, yeah. many not. Um, and that particular journey with that client, we ended up going to the high court in London um, to wow. help him. And we, I remember standing on a platform um, in the north of the city and we knew that going to this court case, uh, this was a crunch point. And we knew he was suicidal. We get on the train. We make sure that we are going to get to the court. We go to court. Um, I'm so nervous, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of more relaxed than, than he is. Yeah. And, I'm trying to, and I'm thinking to myself, actually, when God puts you in touch with people in need, it's not a case where you can be nervous. Mm -hmm. There's actually nothing you yeah. can do other than saying, God, this is your hands. You brought yeah. us here. Uh, uh, you know, I'll you. pray with this person. I'll support, them, but you've got to do something. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. I had to go and see an important judge. Anyway, so um, he understands that he's obviously doing something. He's got some help. We come back up to Birmingham and roll the clock forwards um, about four months. We've constructed six years of accounts. Um, we've been working with this person. The outcome of of it all was that not only did he not owe anything but HMRC reimbursed him for £6,000 that was actually <laughs> now that once with all the records were in place. And I remember the occasion, we, we went out for a meal together and to celebrate um, and to capture his story. And he, he, he said, he got a big box on the, on the table and uh, he bought, he'd had a, he'd had a gift from a, from a publisher and he said, I want you to have this. Um, because um, I know you like playing games, um, and you know this this is a, a special edition that's been given to me. And we sat and celebrated. We had a good meal together. And actually, now since then, he's become a personal friend. You know, we've had the whole family over for games, and you know, and we were, <laughs> went out to the theatre the other week. Um, but it, it, but 
this was this was a man who, if God had not intervened, yeah. that family were very likely to have lost a father and husband. Um, and yet, God completely changed the story, completely yeah. changed the outcome. Um, and yeah. when you see that happen, it's getting those stories. You know, your church, the members of your church need to hear the difference and being reminded as to why it is that people need to hear about the gospel in the first place. Yes. But therefore, the t- you need some resource within your church to capture the story, either in print or on an interview or um, on film or some way to hear it. Because we all forget once we've mm-hmm. once we become a Christian you sort of get sucked into oh and this is the church and here's how it runs and there's this service and there's there's that that's not what church is about it's about rescuing people and um and and you need to encourage people by always hearing the stories of new people being rescued and the joy that there is of that encounter for them for themselves and and that's what makes people come alive And, and i suppose that's the vein of gold that we discovered through money advice it wasn't money advice per se it was the fact that we started capturing stories and every single month we put a little news bite out that says okay here's something we've just come across here's the real life situation but here's what god says about it and why this person's life has just been changed and it's that that you know i look back now at at nine years this this particular ministry which grew from quite humble beginnings now has a large team um that 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 whole time has been completely funded by people giving either of their time or of prayer or of becoming a part of our team uh, or of giving financially so with a 35k turnover it's, it's you know it's modest but the whole journey has grown up to that point and this wednesday i'm taking the whole of the team out we're going to have a social um to celebrate having launched a cafe uh, of uh, starting a satellite um, centre uh, somewhere else in another community centre. And I have the joyous news of telling them that a member of the church has just put £30,000 into our bank accounts um, wow. because they've so believed wow. what's going on. But it's the stories and the joy that's, yes. that, that, that fuels it and watching yes. yeah. God do. Um, <laughs> I'll leave you with one last story. <laughs> because, and it's the bit that, you know, really... Um, really makes us jump out of bed in the morning. Uh, one of one of my team used to be one of their pastors here. Um, I did a quick review with him last week, and I and uh, I said, "Now, how are you finding it?" It's six months since we last talked, and he said, "You know, this is the highlight of my week. I just love it. It's the people and the stories and being pray, for, being able to pray for people and seeing God." Uh, seeing God I've been in church administration for you know, seventeen or eighteen years, and I think it's always a good reminder that. A church, a good church administrator always has to remain as the conductor of the orchestra, just because you might have a particular skill uh, or particular, um, you know, special power or gifting that God's given you. That doesn't mean that you you get up off the podium and start picking up the first violin and, and take yeah. you know, a prime position. Your role is to how do you equip members of the church to follow what God's leading them into and and flourish in that um it's a bit like remembering that you're the helmsman of the boat not the captain who's deciding where it's going to go you've got yeah, to help yeah. the boat get there um and uh, and, and help the the crew uh, run run the ship well and keep it afloat and so anything that we can do to help people find their calling in service 
and be prepared that often God's idea of church is not our idea. You might think you're in your, your role to help run the Sunday services, put people in a rota, who's going to welcome, who's going to do the coffee, who's going to help people get into groups. That is not church. Church is a community of people who are changing people's lives and who God is seeing people around you in your community who he's desperate to reach out to. And that's your mission. The fact that you get together regularly and sing some songs is just part of being community. But unless you're feeding people and clothing them and meeting their needs financially, not just giving money at it, but actually understanding the cause of the problem and fixing it and preaching the gospel is brilliant. Um, There's one quote that I came across from Hudson Taylor. Um, oh, yeah. Really sums this up really well. And, and he said, uh, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He's too wise a God to frustrate his purposes for lack of funds. And he can just as easily supply them ahead of time as afterwards. And he much prefers doing so. And yeah. when I read that, I thought, gosh, that is so true. And I think that spurred me on this year is that I leave church administration this year. It's not because I, I want to. I love it. Um, but when you find something that you have a bigger yes to, <laughs> you've got to go yeah, with it. Yeah, so we've just yeah. recruited my replacement. And uh, as of January, I start to move four days a week uh, to being sent to manage that money advice service. And, and I can't wait. We have such a backlog of people. You know, and anybody who, who wants to... You know, just try it out or just have a conversation to find out what it might involve you know, the, in the team there are advisors there are administrators there are people now running a cafe there are befrienders there are chaplains it's like it's like the whole team of that they're all needed in one of these different roles and we all yeah. have you know d- different part and, and that's a great picture of how the church can work well because yeah. you need people who are very different from each other but when they come together there is a synergy yeah. of things that you yeah. can do together as a team that no one person themselves can do. Uh, but God is a brilliant architect at building his church and glorifying his name through what we see him do every week through the clients who come to our doors. Yeah, I love that. Mate, it's, it's, it's so lovely to hear about, well, we see your passion, we hear your passion. And I love the fact that you're connecting this ministry, this project to, to the gospel. And, and that's what fuels it and motivates it. And then you do a good job at recycling that back and saying, Here's the stories. Let me let me tell you about many advice this week. Let me tell you about the individual that we've helped this week in the yep. church here and that. And I, I love that. And if you're a church leader listening to this or administrator leading to this, then have a conversation about if this is a project that you can start. You're you're nine years on with lots and lots of volunteers, but there are churches that run these kind of projects and cat projects who who have got you know smaller resources, smaller volunteers, and it is possible. Um, and you know please connect with julian please connect to the service the many advice service and and have a chat to them about uh, how you can move this forward in your church um and uh, and it's right god will supply what we need you know when there's a real heart to take this ministry on to go and serve the community god will provide the things that we need the people that we need the, the resources that we need um, yeah. so i love that start those conversations yeah, right. I think it's, it's the fact that it's it's totally scalable. Uh, mm. Many of the community money advice centres um, are one person sat in their church building with a phone, with a photocopier, and seeing people come to them. The biggest community money advice centre uh, 
uh, in London called Crosslight has 220 advisors. It's wow. massive. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. 220. Wow. This <laughs> is like, I can't even get my head around that. Crikey. Wow. You know, and that is, yeah. that is church based, uh, a network that's just grown and grown and grown. So, you know, as yeah. much as I, there are smaller centers who look at us and go, oh, we could never do that. I'm, I'm looking upwards and going, well, I could never do that. But yeah. you, you just start small and see what God does and you can therefore start really really nice and small and that's why we went for community money advice and not cap because it just lets us be totally scalable and yes. be contextual to the you know the the, the community that we're in rather yeah. than follow a sort of franchise model yeah. um so yeah just go for it <laughs> God's yeah do it so I, I love it passion in your church do whatever you can to enable them to follow the passion hold them to account and be prepared to have some challenging conversations because if it becomes fruitful and successful, you're going to have some difficult choices to make, but you've got to follow kingdom. If God is going to re restructure your church, any church that starts to successfully meet the needs in the community is not going to have any difficulty with new people being invited on a Sunday or coming through. We have people on our gardening team, our maintenance team coming to church every Sunday who other people do not know that they're all money advice clients. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's irrelevant. Yeah. It's just yeah. happens to be their starting yeah. point. Um, and it's very easy then to connect, particularly when you meet on a Sunday in the same building that you're providing the services. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Julian, thank you so much for your time, mate. And uh, the opportunity to talk to you and hear about it is just wonderful. And we wish you all the best, my friend, in uh, continuing that in the new year as uh, changes, you know, from administration into this project full time. Um, happens for you my friend well if you've got any questions and you'd like to throw them over to myself or julian we'd love to be able to connect you more um, please send them into questions at the churchoffice.co.uk uh, please check out the resources on the website there's loads that are available that are all free uh, to help you and bless you in your work maybe just a time saver maybe just a bit of encouragement a bit of confidence that you're on the right page um, please check out the website and do that until next time my friend We'll see you soon. Thank you right. for your time. Take care. Goodbye, bye everyone. Bye-bye.